American Catholic History is brought to you by the StarQuest Production Network and is made possible by our many generous patrons. If you'd like to support the podcast, please visit sqpn.com slash give. Hello, and welcome to American Catholic History. If you like our podcast, be sure to rate us and give us a review wherever you get your podcast. I'm Noelle Heaster-Crow. And I'm Tom Crow. Today we're talking about Alfred Joyce Kilmer, the warrior poet who wrote the famous but much maligned poem, Trees, and who became a great soldier in World War I, much loved by his men. Kilmer was a man who, as he put it, put his hand into the sun and pulled out a spark of immortal flame to warm the hearts of men. He died on the battlefield of World War I at just 31 years old, and who knows what else he might have produced had he lived, but given what he did in his short life, I would say he lived a complete life. Well, let's start at the beginning of that complete life. Sure. So he was born in 1886 in New Brunswick, New Jersey. His parents were Episcopalian, and he was named in honor of two of the priests at the Episcopalian parish where his parents were members. Later in life, he kind of dropped the name Alfred and just went with Joyce, his middle name, as what people called him. His father was a chemist for Johnson & Johnson, and he actually was the one who invented Johnson & Johnson's baby powder. So Kilmer went to Rutgers Preparatory School and then Rutgers College before transferring to Columbia in 1906. Graduated from Columbia in 1908, And in June of that year, he married Aline Murray, to whom he'd been engaged since their sophomore year of college. He taught high school Latin for a year and began to write poetry and essays and submitting his writings for publication. In 1909, he abandoned teaching and decided to become a writer full time. He got a job writing definitions of words for Funk and Wagnall's new dictionary. And in 1911, he published his first book of verse. After that came writing positions with the New York Times Review of Books and New York Times Sunday Magazine, plus continuing to get book reviews and essays published elsewhere, plus being a rather successful speaker on the speaking circuit. He was becoming a well-known and well-respected writer and lecturer. Some even put him in a category with G.K. Chesterton and Hilaire Belloc. And his family was growing. Yes. Joyce and Aileen had five children from 1909 until he left for war in 1917. But during this time, he was also having a crisis of faith. He was still nominally Episcopalian, but he was slipping into atheism and dabbling with radical politics. His wife once stated that during this time, he even forbade her to pray. She had to hide under the covers to say her prayers at night. But his crisis of faith met its match through a literary friendship and family tragedy. In 1912, a Jesuit priest named James Daly, who was a literature professor at Campion College in Wisconsin, wrote to Kilmer to discuss literature, and they struck up a friendship through letters. Kilmer confided in Daly about his struggle for faith, and that became a topic of discussion as well. Later that same year, the Kilmer's second child, a daughter they named Rose, was stricken with infant paralysis. This prompted Kilmer to begin to ask the hard questions, and Daly was there for him. Eventually, Joyce and Aileen were received into the Catholic Church in 1913. In one letter to Daly after his conversion, Kilmer wrote, I believed in the Catholic position, the Catholic view of ethics and aesthetics for a long time, but I wanted something not intellectual, some conviction not mental. In fact, I wanted faith. Well, every morning for months, I stopped on my way to the office and prayed in this church for faith. When faith did come, it came, I think, by way of my little paralyzed daughter. Her lifeless hands led me. 
I think her tiny feet know beautiful paths. It was also in 1913 that Kilmer wrote the poem for which he is best known, the pleasant little rhyme called Trees. Now, you actually included this poem in your Montessori curriculum. You taught it to the kids. I did, and it's just a lovely, simple poem with great imagery. So why don't you recite it for us? <laughs> sure. So, Trees by Joyce Kilmer. I think that I shall never see a poem lovely as a tree. A tree whose hungry mouth is pressed against the earth sweet flowing breast, a tree that looks at God all day and lifts her leafy arms to pray, a tree that may in summer wear a nest of robins in her hair upon whose bosom snow has lain, who intimately lives with rain. Poems are made by fools like me, but only God can make a tree. Oh, very nice. <laughs> and I love how the little turn at the end. Poems are made by fools like me, but only God can make a tree. Now, this poem was huge when it was published in Poetry, a magazine of verse, and then it was published by Kilmer in his book, Trees and Other Poems. It became hugely popular overnight and was a commonly assigned poem for school children throughout the first half of the 20th century. But not everyone loves trees. No, unfortunately, it has been much maligned by the very smart set who see it as too sentimental and sappy. It's been parodied and derided many times over the years. And there's even an annual event at Columbia University called the Alfred Joyce Kilmer Memorial Bad Poetry Contest, in which people read their intentionally terrible poetry in front of a packed auditorium, and the event ends with a very mocking group recitation of trees. But hey, let them have their laugh. Kilmer's trees will outlast pretty much everything any of them has ever written because of its innocence and simplicity. Absolutely. So after this, Kilmer published more and spoke more. And then the Great War kicked off over in Europe in 1914. And then in 1917, the U.S. got involved. Right. Kilmer, who was 30 by this point and had four kids with a fifth on the way, decided that he had to enlist in the army and go over to fight. That's quite a change for a prominent and well-off man. He didn't have to sign up, and he would not have been drafted, so why did he do it? Well, it's interesting that he basically explains his rationale in another poem, one called Proud Poet. I won't recite the whole thing, but the opening and closing are pertinent, so here goes. One winter night a devil came and sat upon my bed. His eyes were full of laughter, for his heart was full of crime. Why don't you take up fancy work or embroidery, he said. For a needle is as manly a tool as a pen that makes a rhyme. You little ugly devil, said I, go back to hell, for the idea you express I will not listen to. I have trouble enough with poetry and poverty as well, without having to pay attention to orators like you. When you say of the making of ballads and songs that it is woman's work, you forget all the fighting poets that have been in every land. He then talks about Byron and Walter Raleigh and King David and Homer and a number of other poets who sacrificed much and who fought as soldiers and warriors to emphasize his point that being a poet is not a soft profession. He then closes with, It is stern work, it is perilous work, to thrust your hand in the sun and pull out a spark of immortal flame to warm the hearts of men. But Prometheus, torn by the claws and beaks whose task is never done, would be tortured another eternity to go stealing fire again. To further explain, he later wrote, I have considered this step I am taking from every side, and I feel there is no doubt that I have an obligation to join the colors. I would be ashamed later on to look at the children if I don't volunteer. 
However other married men feel about going, I consider my enlisting as a duty I owe to God and country. So to Kilmer's mind, it was the most poetic thing he could do, go to war. But he didn't just sign up. He was very particular about which unit he signed on with. Yes. Over the years, he had come to admire the Irish people, their stories, their fighting spirit, and who can blame him? Richard Sheridan, the Irish playwright, wrote that Ireland was the land of happy wars and sad love songs. Kilmer took to it and sort of adopted the heritage of the Irish as his own. So when he signed up to fight, he signed up with the Fighting 69th Regiment based in New York City. He said of his comrades in arms, the people I like best here are the wild Irish, boys of 18 or 20, who left Ireland a few years ago, some of them to escape threatened conscription, and traveled about the country in gangs, generally working on the railroads. They have delightful songs that have never been written down, but sung in vagabonds' camps and country jails. And both the commanding officer and chaplain of the Fighting 69th were fairly famous persons in their own right. The chaplain was Father Francis Duffy, the most decorated chaplain in history. There's a statue of him in Times Square in New York City. And the commanding officer was Wild Bill Donovan, who would eventually be in charge of the OSS, the precursor to the CIA. So the Fighting 69th was a formidable unit. Uh, Kilmer went through the training, but before he shipped overseas, he made one more visit to Campion College to see his old friend Father Daly and to deliver the commencement address. In that address, which he delivered wearing his uniform, he said... Some of you will go in accordance with the traditions of Catholic manhood to bear arms against our nation's enemies. And in a sense, all of you go forth to battle against our nation's foes, although you never carry a rifle. For the forces of materialism, spiritual indifference, intolerance, cynicism are more formidable than any blast of shell and shrapnel, more terrible than an army with banners. And against these enemies, you will be called upon to fight as no young men before you have been called upon. Kilmer was preparing to depart with his unit in late 1917 when his daughter, Rose, died, and just 12 days later, their son Christopher was born. So with this mix of highs and lows, Joyce Kilmer boarded a troop ship and sailed for France. While in the Army, Kilmer actually had many opportunities to be commissioned as an officer, but he refused them every time. He said that he would rather be a sergeant in the Fighting 69th than an officer in any other unit. In France, he was initially assigned to a statistics unit, crunching numbers and filing reports. He hated it. Eventually, he got a transfer to military intelligence, and it was there that he found his calling. He wrote to his wife, Now I'm doing work I love, and work you may be proud of. None of the drudgery of soldiering, but a double share of glory and thrills. Kilmer would lead reconnaissance missions in no man's land, the space between the trenches, using whatever concealment he could find, crawling way out ahead of his men on his belly, under the barbed wire, chancing death, and frequently going out further than his orders demanded. His men adored him. While in France, he did manage to write some letters home, and he wrote a few poems. One is called Rouge Bouquet, and it memorializes a bombardment his unit sustained, which saw a shell land directly on a bunker in which 14 men had taken cover. They were all killed and buried by the blast. Another is called Prayer of a Soldier in France, and this poem is special to me. I was actually a chaplain candidate while in seminary, and I would take this poem to prayer in the chapel. I'll recite it. My shoulders ache beneath my pack, lie easier cross upon his back. I march with feet that burn and smart, tread holy feet upon my heart. Men shout at me who may not speak, 
they scourged thy back and smote thy cheek. I may not lift a hand to clear my eyes of salty drops that sear. Then shall my fickle soul forget thy agony of bloody sweat. My rifle hand is stiff and numb. From thy pierced palm red rivers come. Lord, thou didst suffer more for me than all the hosts of land and sea. So let me render back again this millionth of thy gift. Amen. That's beautiful. Joyce Kilmer was killed on one of his reconnaissance missions on July 30th, 1918, during the Second Battle of the Marne. He had, once again, gone way ahead to find the exact location of a German machine gun. A German sniper found him instead, and when he raised his head just above the hill behind which he was taking cover, a bullet crashed through his skull and pierced his brain, killing him instantly. When his men found him, they at first thought he was just laying very still, peering over the hill. Several weeks before his death, he had written to his wife, Here are nice old ladies, fat babies, jovial, humorous men, and little girls just after making their first communions. We men of the 69th are helping to give these people back their homes, and perhaps to prevent our homes from one day being taken from us by the same power. He was posthumously awarded the Croix de Guerre by the French Republic. Joyce Kilmer was buried in the Wazena American Cemetery, right across the road from the farm where he was killed. After his death, many schools were named in his honor, as was the Joyce Kilmer Park in the Bronx, and even a service area on the New Jersey Turnpike near the writer's birthplace in New Brunswick. But perhaps the most fitting tribute to the author of Trees is the Joyce Kilmer Memorial Forest in North Carolina, which was dedicated in 1936 and covers 3,800 heavily wooded acres. But since this episode is about a warrior poet who died in battle, we will leave you with one of his poems called Appropriately, The Peacemaker. The Peacemaker, upon his will he binds a radiant chain. For freedom's sake he is no longer free. It is his task, the slave of liberty, with his own blood to wipe away a stain. That pain may cease, he yields his flesh to pain. To banish war, he must a warrior be. He dwells in night, eternal dawn to see, and gladly dies abundant life to gain. What matters death if freedom be not dead? No flags are fair if freedom's flag be furled. Who fights for freedom goes with joyful tread to meet the fires of hell against him hurled, and has for captain him whose thorn-wreathed head smiles from the cross upon a conquered world. You've been listening to American Catholic History on the StarQuest Production Network. If you've been enjoying our podcast, please help us out by giving us a five-star rating and a good review, and support the work of SQPN. Your support at sqpn.com give helps make sure American Catholic History and all of the StarQuest podcasts remain available. To learn more about Joyce Kilmer, to find previous episodes, and to send feedback, please visit sqpn.com history. You can email us at history at sqpn.com or find us on social media at facebook.com slash American Catholic History or follow StarQuest on Twitter at sqpn. I'm Noelle Heaster-Crow. And I'm Tom Crow. Thank you once again for joining us on American Catholic History on StarQuest.